Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast, the start of another week in the Square Mile. I'm Andy Sylvester, the editor of City AM, and in a minute or two I'll be joined by my colleague Jack Barnett to preview a week of economic decisions that will shape the global recovery. First though, the headlines and away from Ukraine is the mining sector dominating discussion today. Rio Tinto has made a $2.7 billion cash offer for Turquoise Hill's remaining shares in a bid to gain control of a Mongolian copper gold mining project. The Oyu Tolgoi mine in Mongolia apologies to any Mongolians if I've butchered that pronunciation. It's part owned by both Rio and Turquoise Hill, but the Anglo-Aussie miner wants the whole lot. The proposed transaction would enable Rio Tinto to work directly with the government of Mongolia to move the project forward with a simpler and more efficient ownership and governance structure. That was the view of the Rio Tinto chief exec Jacob Stausholm this morning. Sounds to me, (laughs) reading between the lines, like they uh, got fed up of having myriad committee discussions. Uh, Elsewhere, the Office for National Statistics added meat-free sausages, sports bras and anti-back wipes to the basket of goods that statisticians used to calculate price hikes. In its annual shake-up of the basket, the ONS has added 19 items to its consumer prices index and thrown out 15. Products added include veggie favourite meat-free sausages, canned pulses, pet collars and even anti-back surface wipes. Those additions come as the pandemic has of course inspired many shoppers to take up new lifestyle choices such as vegetarianism and fitness. However, on the way out, men's suits and coal, perhaps homeworking and casual fashion really is the way forward, at least according to the ONS statisticians. Although, judging from walking around the city, that may tell us more about the ONS uh, and its home working policy rather than the city's uh, march back to work. House builders have seen their share prices lift on Monday after optimism that the bill foisted on developers for cladding remediation might be much lower than initially forecast. It had been thought that property firms would be looking at a bill of around 4 billion quid to rectify unsafe cladding on medium height tower blocks. However, the potential bill has been estimated to be down much closer to a billion in a review commissioned by the House Builders Federation. Persimmon shares up 6%, Barra up 3% too. And of course, continued economic fallout from Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues, though there are signs that the global assault on Russia's economy is beginning to falter slightly. India is considering a Russian offer to buy crude oil and other commodities at knockdown prices through a rupee ruble transaction. So far, India has not condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine, nor has it joined in with the sanctions imposed on the country by the West. An Indian government official told Reuters that Russia is offering oil and other commodities at a heavy discount and we will be happy to take it. There are some issues like tanker insurance cover and oil blends to be resolved, but once we have that we will look at the discount offer. Uh, the EU has also added Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea FC owner, to its sanctions list today, making it more difficult for him to move assets around. And there's continued uproar in Parliament today around the continued ownership of oligarch homes uh, around Chelsea and Kensington. We will await moves in Parliament that could, bizarrely almost, see some of those properties uh, essentially um, co-opted by the British government. Jack Barnett joins me now, uh, our economics and markets correspondent. It is a busy week of uh, central bank decisions, but why don't we first start with a survey that's doing the rounds today because it points to the unprecedented economic conditions that central banks are about to weigh into. Yeah, so we've got um, some fresh data out from the same firm who produced the PMIs, which are obviously quite a closely watched um, indicator for economic activity. Um, IHS Market, um, they have got a new survey out today um, saying that's uh, firms are intending to uh, hike prices at a the fastest rate in the survey's history. Um, I think we've written that many times over the last couple of months or so. Just um, you know, just kind of underlines the fact that at the moment the economy is very much still within this inflation crunch that we were having even before 
um, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine started. Um, and again, it's just it's it's laying the groundwork for quite a quite a tough environment for central banks to get a hold of at the moment. And obviously, as you were mentioning. Um, we've got a very, very busy week uh, of rate decisions. Yeah, well, let's start stateside because uh, Wednesday, if I'm not correct, not not wrong. Um, it's only Monday, Andy. Um, Wednesday, we've got the Fed. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we've got the Fed on um, on Wednesday. Um, much like the Bank of England, most people were expecting the Fed to hike for the first time in over three years. Um, they have, I mean... Bank of England has actually been the first mover on this. So the Fed hasn't hiked rates, needs to be have not hiked rates. But most people are expecting a 25 basis point um, rate hike. Some people are also even penciling a potential 50 basis point rate hike. Um, main reason behind that is just to send quite a strong signal to the market to say, listen, we're not going to allow the cost of living to get out of hand anymore. This is really our mandate for this year. Now, the main reason for that is that we had figures out last week, um, which had the cost of living in America rising to the highest rate uh, in 40 years at 7.9%. So if you think over here it's 5.5%, mm. over there it's a lot it's a lot worse mm. at the moment. Um but I think the the sort of the sentiment amongst Wall Street analysts is that Fed's not going to do 50 basis points, it's not going to kick off with that. It's probably going to do 25 basis points um purely for the fact that the conflict in the east is um you know is raising the prospect that Western economies are probably going to have a slower recovery than we were expecting mm. at the start of the year, mainly driven by energy prices increasing and people um, renting and spending. So, you know, the Fed's got quite a difficult trade-off in saying that, you know, do we what do we value more? Do we value maintaining the economic recovery for the pandemic or do we value getting rid of this really quite nasty inflation spike mm. at the moment? The Fed will probably go for the latter than the former. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. I mean, obviously, there's a few... There's a few different things that have happened in the US in terms of inflation. I mean, an awful lot of the inflationary kick in the States has been driven by essentially a handout of checks on two different occasions mm. um, to American citizens to encourage consumer spending, or as far as I can ascertain, an awful lot of retail trading or crypto trading, mm. um, which has obviously helped with inflation. They've got a slightly different energy mix in the States, obviously, with a lot more domestic production. That is insulating the US economy slightly from energy prices. But nonetheless, this is a global market. There are gas prices going up on the forecourts across the United States of America. And mm. while I think the complaints look a little bit odd to us here in the UK, dealing with significantly higher prices at the forecourt, um, there is there is no doubt political pressure as well there um, on the Fed. And although they will not be thinking of that and that's not their job, it is the mood music. Mm. Um, Similar music, I guess, here around the city, at least, um, as we look ahead to the Bank of England. Um, a rate rise probably slightly less certain here than it is in the States. Yeah, so I think you're obviously right to say that the you know the US is a lot less reliant or exposed to um, Russian energy supplies, which has allowed them to move a lot quicker than other countries in terms of just cutting off mm. um, imports of Russian oil, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, you know, if if um, energy prices spike across in Russia, then obviously they're not going to import the same level of um, inflation that Europe would do. But the problem is, is that, as you said, most of the prices for gas and oil are set in global markets. And, you know, if people start getting rid of all their Russian energy supplies and going elsewhere, it's just going to raise the cross across the board. Now, that's going to have severe implications for us over here. Um, most economists are now saying that Inflation could potentially top 10% um, come October and the Bank of England will be aware of that. The Bank of England will obviously be doing its own 
internal forecasting at the moment and thinking where they think the inflation is going to land. Um, most people were expecting another rate hike mm. uh, on Thursday, which would be the third of as many meetings. Um, I think when they hiked rates last time, that was the first time they'd done it at successive meetings since 2004. So if they did mm. it again, you know, I think a lot of people would say maybe the bank is really starting to get on top of this inflation yeah. spike now. Um, I think most people have got, kind of got interest rates landing at about 1.25, mm. 1.5% by the end of the year. year. Yeah. So yeah, we, you know, it should be quite a, quite a punishy um, rate high cycle. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem any question of that. I guess the only thing that is pushing them in the other direction is, and this is a slightly weird one, right? Because we were talking about this earlier, the Bank of England has one mandate, mm. which is to keep inflation somewhere around 2%. Mm -hmm. um, the working theory behind that is 2% is the sort of stable condition that allows growth to happen elsewhere in the economy. Growth is a secondary order effect, but nonetheless, the bank is sort of obliged to think about it, or at least they clearly do think about economic growth and, and boosting the economy. Mm -hmm. um, the, the argument against a rate hike is we just don't know for sure what the state of the recovery is right now with rising prices. So it's a little bit you know, chicken and the egg situation. Um, but if you've got a recovery potentially choked off by rising prices, there is an argument that you say, actually, this isn't the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you just hope that this inflationary shock that's happening right now is a combination of two things. One, the reopening of the global economy post-pandemic, lockdown savings being spent, etc. And on the second point, a hopefully, touch wood, temporary impact of Russia-Ukraine supply chain mm. issues. Um, it'd be a hell of a gamble for the bank to take, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, obviously, it just speaks to the fact that, that you know, the Bank of England and the other major central banks are facing quite a difficult um, quandary at the moment. They don't know whether or not, you know, how much value you do assign to that growth inflation trade-off um, at the moment. I think, um, you know, the point that officials at the bank have consistently said ever since we had this... Um, this inflation shock is that monetary policy is not very effective at taming short-term inflation, which is driven by energy um, mm. prices. So, you know, I think they'll, they'll take a more long-term view um, and say that, you know, if we hike rates now, it might feed into the economy in six, seven months' time, which would then bring down um, prices at that point. But, you know, it would be, you know, they are essentially playing with fire because if they, if they hike way too quickly, then you run the risk of choking off a recovery from, you know, we have had the worst economic mm. shot in the best part of 100 years or so. And obviously, we've now got this this next crisis. So, you know, I think they'll have to be weighing up decision on whether or not they want to get inflation under control in the long term mm. and hope that, you know, this conflict is not going to be as, as bad as we all hope. It's that, you know, we obviously hope it's, it's not yeah. going to get any worse, but I think that will be... Um, that would be the bank's thinking. Yeah, and one thing you have to give the bank credit for is that there is a slightly more coherent um, run up to this in terms of the communication strategy so far. There, there, there hasn't really been a huge amount of full guidance mm. of what this decision will be, which is, to be honest, I think probably the way it should work right now, as opposed to what we had in November when we were essentially walked up, walked up the hill and then um, told to go back down again with the uh, rates staying the same. Anyway, Jack, we'll keep an eye on that um, this week. We've also got the spring statement from the Chancellor the week after, which will keep us all busy as we start previewing that and perhaps see some signs of what the government's political response will be to the inflation shock. I'd be very surprised if fuel duty remains where it is uh, today by this time in a fortnight. Um, from us, though, at the City View, that's all for now. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, a further look at the weekend.